Awesome. How about that bluegrass? Man, I'm telling you. That was good. Bob came to my office before service and says, well, tonight's not what I planned, but, you know, sometimes those nights are the best nights. You know, and I, and I love that last song we sing, Hallelujah. I was listening to people that were hollering, shouting out, crying out. I love that because we are in a room full of people that have lost so much in their lives. And we're here tonight, and we're celebrating those victories. You know, yesterday was cool Easter. I got to see a lot of, a lot of old bridge guys that, that came in on Easter just to say, hey. And it felt good. And I remember those guys, each and every one of them, where I met them. Most of them were in jail. Some were out on the streets. But what I said after seeing each and every one of those persons was hallelujah. You know, there's sobriety, there's happiness, things are doing well, and, and life is going good, and that is a, that is a victory. Amen? Amen? You know, it's interesting, I'm going to be, I was at the jail the other day with Bob, and we were handing out candy to the ladies, um, and we're going to be going back, actually back this Thursday, um, Vanessa is going to be coming with us, and she's going to be going into the very pod that she came out of the bridge. Um, um, and we're going to leave her there. No, I'm kidding. Um, and she's going to give her testimony in, in both a T and U pods. Bob, is that what they are? Yeah, T and U pods. And it's funny talking to her before tonight. She's nervous because she's too clean now. Do you know what I'm saying? She's like, I don't look like I belong. I, I don't look like I came from there. And I said, that's the very reason you need to go back there so people can say, you don't look like you came from here. And that is the hope that we have in a changed life, amen? That we someday are going to be unrecognizable from our former self, our former way of life, and people aren't even going to ever know that we live that kind of life, right? And that's the victory that we sing hallelujah about, amen? All right, so we are going to be actually tonight in the book of Romans. I'm excited about that. And we're going to go really slow. Somebody asked me why. Why? I remember when I first became a believer, and I know this room is a mixture of very seasoned believers to so-so knowledge of the Bible to I have no clue whenever you mention that dude's name who that guy even is. Remember the first time I heard the book of Romans, I'm like, they're talking about Paul like he was my buddy. Like, I don't even know who that guy is. My brother is named Paul. He, I know that's not him, but who is this guy, and why should I even care that he wrote a letter, right? I mean, what is that? How does that affect my life? So I want to go through all of Romans pretty slowly and explain who's who and what's what, and so we can actually understand it because really the book of Romans I have entitled in the entire series, which is going to take us probably about 30 or 40 weeks is path to victory. So how can we sit here tonight, go through and listen to all these teachings, and in the end, if we apply this to our life, come out victorious in the way that we're living? If we look at the book of Romans, and if we look at all the Old Testament, that's kind of like the, like the, like the, anybody ever wag their finger at you and tell you what's up, tell you the law, what's going to happen to you, you know, the turn and burn, all that? 
And then we get to the New Testament, and they start talking about all this stuff called grace and mercy and hope and love and happiness. And you're like, whoa, what is that? You know, I thought happiness was when I got a sack or when the first of the month came and I got my check, right? And I, or when I got a new old lady that had a lot of money, right? <laughs> right? I mean, come on, that's where we came from, right? You know, I mean, it's not that I'm proud of it, but I used to hang out with the, all the people that I hung out with. I had a choice to either hang out with the, the, the gangbangers or the prostitutes, okay? Believe me, it was way safer, for me, with the girls. And I felt bad because Michelle knew who I was hanging out with. Um, often, the lady that I would hang out with the most, her and Michelle would get on the phone and they would just be fighting back and forth. You know, and unfortunately, at the time, it didn't really affect me. It really ticked me off that Michelle would call and hassle this lady, you know, because she was my hookup, right? But now, moving forward, it was the grace and mercy of God that allowed my, ma- my marriage to sustain that season to take us to where we are today. Amen? It's all about celebrating the victories. And, and I want you guys to all think tonight of any victory you have to celebrate. If you're here tonight, it's a victory, right? If you're sober today, it's a victory. You know? Yeah, come on. It's amen. As Bob would say, amen all by myself, right? So, but I'm looking forward to Thursday, just going back in there and just, it's going to be so awesome. But unfortunately for me, I haven't been in there. I, I ministered in those pods for years, for years and years. And to go back almost three years later and to see some, a lot of the same people, I'm like, well, what happened? I thought you went to prison, and then you got out of prison. I did, and then I went back to jail, and then I went back to jail, and then I went back to prison, and then I went back to jail, and then I went out. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, how can we stop this cycle that's going on? You know, first of all, they have to, you have to want it. Amen? Amen? I can't change any of you against your will. God can't change any of you against your will. All that we have to be able to do is open our heart to the possibility that if we're willing that God will come into our hearts and change us and make us understand who he is and how much he loves us, you know? If we just change our heart toward who God is, then we have an opportunity to change who we are, amen? All right, so I'm going to read the first section here. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. First of all, what, a, what is an apostle? You know, what is, and we know that Jesus hung out with all these apostles, but what is an apostle? An apostle is somebody who is basically sent out to minister the gospel. Have you ever told anybody about your recovery and how you, have, you, have you, any of you said, hey, I'm going to church, I'm in a Christian recovery home? Have anybody said that and shared some of your testimony with somebody? There we go. You're an apostle. You were sent out to share God's good news. And we know the gospel simply broken down means good news. So so then I'm going to now I'm going to I'm going to get into who is Paul? Why and why should we care who Paul is, the guy that wrote this book of Romans? Well, basically he was a highly educated citizen of Rome and he was he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew everything there was to know about the law. He was you might say a godly man. Okay, he believed in God, and you know what I find is most 
people believe in God, right? Seriously, right? You could probably say that most Americans or most people believe in God. Now, where you start losing most people is when you start talking about, but have you heard of Jesus? Oh, wait a minute. Now, Jesus is the guy with all those rules, the do's and the don'ts and the can'ts and the won'ts and the shouldn'ts, right? He's the guy that's going to decide whether I burn if I don't turn. Well, I don't like that. I want to believe in God as I understand him. I want the God that I learned about in an AA meeting, and I'm not dissing on AA because they told me that he could be a doorknob. My counselor, Oscar, who I respect very much, I, I, so I said to him, I had to pin him down because my grandma was a Christian, right? My wife was not a Christian yet. I wasn't a Christian. So I knew something about what a Christian was. My grandma, between her Louis L'Amour love sex novels and her New King James Bible, I learned something about God and Jesus, enough to be dangerous and to say, well, is a higher power God? Well, do you want it to be? I don't, I'm not saying what I do or don't want. I'm saying, is a higher power God? I couldn't get an answer. It's who you ever, whoever you want it to be. What do you like doing? Well, at that time, going through the recovery center for my first time, I liked going to the ocean and standing in the ocean. And you know how you go to the, the ocean here is so cold. You know, you go stand into about your knees, right? And then finally you take the plunge to your waist and it's like, ooh, right? And you stand there long enough you get used to it, you can actually swim around. That's what kind of my high, higher power was, something I could get used to long enough to get into it. You know, now if it was challenging any way, shape, or form, I didn't like it. And so what my argument was, well, my higher power kind of looks a lot like me, and I'm not doing so good. So I want like a real higher power. And he would basically say, why don't I, then you should go seeking your higher power. And if you're here tonight and you don't know who your higher power is, keep coming around. He's not a doorknob. He's not a wave. He's not a grain of sand. You know, he's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And the problem starts when we start making him like us, Right? Because our standards kind of are not that good, are they? We're kind of a little wishy-washy, kind of this way one day, this way. Anybody ever start a diet? All right. What is the chance of sticking to it? Anybody join a gym? Right? You join a gym, you go a few times, you quit, right? That's what gyms depend on. Right? They might have a thousand members, but only like nine people working out. Right? That's kind of that's kind of the way we are. We start something, but we very seldomly or very rarely stick to it long enough to get anything useful out of it. Ask me, I've joined a million gyms. I should own one by now. I've tried every factor, X factor, and keto factor, and keto diet, and speed dieting, and juice dieting, and not eating and starvation. And the problem is I don't stick to anything long enough to get a full result out of it. I think my walk with God is the longest I've stuck with anything to get something useful out of. And so the change I've achieved from that, I like. But what I say to you and us and me is if we want to understand 
who we are in Christ, we have to understand who Christ is, who the people that were his disciples or apostles were, why they felt compelled to hang around him. And like Nate said yesterday, if this is not true, why did all of them die a horrible death because they refused to deny who he was? Right? I promise you, if somebody walked up to you and put a gun to your head and said, you know Mike, you would say, no, no, don't know him. Never met the guy. And I don't blame you. I, don't wanna, I wouldn't want a gun to my head either. But there's going to come a point in your life where you're going to believe in something so fervently, you're going to say, no, this is, this is who I am, and this is what I believe, and if you don't like it, that's just too bad, right? And it's not that anybody's brainwashing you or anybody's telling you something that you don't already know. You, what happens when you start to know God is you start to change from the inside out. The things that you do change. The things you think about change. The way you act changes. Your level of integrity changes. You become, suddenly you become, wow, I'm, I'm more honest. I'm not going to steal that wallet anymore. Or I'm not going to grab that cash or, you know what I mean? Or I'm not going to break into that car. You know, I was at a, a restaurant, gosh, I don't even remember who I was with a while back, and somebody got up and I walked by to get some, it was at Central Texas Barbecue in Castroville. And this was the wallet, it was just, at, it, it was thousands of dollars in it. And I picked it up, and I took it to the owner, and I gave it to him, and I said, somebody just left this wallet here. Man, the old me, there was a little part of me going, man, the old you would have kept it. You could have bought some, you could have bought some sweet stuff, you know? Because, <laughs> you know, Michelle, any, anytime I spend over $100, she gets like a, I found this out yesterday. If I spend over $100, she gets an alert on her phone. So I said, in other words, what I have to do is I have to buy my purchases in two increments of 50. She said, no, I, she said, well, I could change to anything I want. So, but it's just about being honest, you guys, and honest with ourselves. So, so who is Paul, and why, why should we even care about who Paul is? And I am going to go to Acts 9. So we know that, 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 that Paul... And in Acts 9, it calls, it calls him Saul, okay? So he was Paul. Now, now God, like other people in the, in the Bible, God did not name him. God did not change his name from Saul to Paul. He did that, right? Why, why did he change his name? I would, I would venture to guess that he changed his own name because he was so embarrassed about how he lived his life and who he was, that he was like, I don't want to even be associated with that guy anymore, right? Because we know that, that Paul, he was a Pharisee, he was educated, well-off, believed in God, just couldn't quite bring himself to believe in Jesus because Jesus was a simple man, born in a manger, hanging out with a bunch of tax collectors and prostitutes and fishermen, and that's not the way that he saw the savior, the, sa the savior of the universe. He thought that he should come in glory, be living in a palace, right? Be staying at the Monterey Plaza or wherever, you know, somewhere nice. But that's not who Jesus is. That's not who Jesus was. Jesus was a commoner that, come, that came down to be with us, to live with us, to walk with us so that we would understand he came to be amongst us so he could minister to us. And that's the cool part about it, right? 
You would rather have somebody from your own hood, right, come and hang out with you rather than to some guy roll up like in a limo and get out in a nice suit like, uh, like Casey's got back there, right, and start saying, let me, tell you what, let me tell you what's up, right? Who are you, you know? Who are you and why, why, why should I listen to you? But when it's somebody that's from your hood, somebody that's from your circle comes and sits down and says, let's have a conversation, you're more apt to listen, right? So Jesus came to live amongst us, to serve amongst us. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And that's what makes him cool. But Saul wasn't buying the whole Jesus thing. It, it ticked him off. It made him angry. So he actually was involved in the stoning of Stephen, right? Stephen was a man who believed in Jesus. He was a, a man who believed in Jesus boldly, who preached the gospel. But he was making people mad, right? Because he believed differently than they believed. And these Christians, these people who believed, they were affecting these people's livelihood. They're saying, you know, you don't have to worship these idols made of gold and silver. Well, the person making the idols is like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is my living. This is how I support my family, making idols. Now you're telling them they don't need them, right? It's like when Jesus in the book of Matthew came into the temple and turned over the table. He said, what's going on here? You're you're making this into a joke. You're making money off of the worship of God, and that's not cool. So this different viewpoint was offending and affecting other people, and it it was a problem, right? They They were causing a problem. So Stephen was actually stoned to death. And Paul actually held the coats of those throwing the rocks. And I'm going to tell you what I believe from Scripture. As Stephen was being stoned, he forgave those who were stoning him. Can you imagine that? When someone ticks you off, right? Someone just makes you a little bit mad. Because I see people, I mean, I run, I, come on, I run a recovery program. I hear griping and bickering all the time over, over nothing. Nothing. Seriously, you're going to argue over that? Look how far you've come and we're going to argue, like over a straw or, or whatever, or a hair clip, or you were in the bathroom five minutes longer and I couldn't get in and you used my curling iron and you left hair in it. I don't, I don't know. It's crazy, the stuff I hear arguing about, you know? I was driving the other day by, and, 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 and Christina was standing on a chair curling her hair, and I'm like, why are you on a chair curling your hair? She said, I'm too short to reach the mirror. And so as I pulled forward, I'm like, oh, yeah, the mirror is way up here, and she's like way down here. So, but she wasn't complaining about it. She was just, she was just hey, the mirror is way up here, so I got to get up there. So that was cool. But, but Saul, or Paul, was a threat to these guys, so he went to the high priest and got permission to go and arrest people. Hey, if you're a Christian, I can arrest you, I can throw you in prison, and I could possibly kill you because you are threatening my belief system and my way of life. So I'm going to come, and I'm going to look for you, and I'm going to find you. I'm going to throw you in jail, and I can possibly put you to death. Can you imagine living in that day and age, right? Wouldn't that be awful? It would be horrible. 
Right now, I just come and pick you up at jail, and we stop at Dorwiner Schnitzel or go get some ribs, and we come back to the bridge, and we get to eat, and everybody gets to gain weight together, and we all, then we all start running together to get skinny together, and, you know, we don't have to face all of that, but it says, Saul still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters uh, to the synagogue at Damascus, so if he found any belonging to the way, the way was what they call it, like the way, like if you're a Christian, you know, they used to use almost like code, like the symbol of the fish was used way back to symbolize Christians live in this house, you know, the, the old kind of outline of a fish. So it was kind of like, hey, let's not talk about it, but hey, you know, it's like, I think most of us have been to AA, right? Are you a friend of Bill W., right? Anybody, you all heard of that, right? Like, like you're going to I would never say that to somebody, you know. Hey, are you a friend of Bill W.? I'd be like, who's Bill W.? <laughs> I don't know. But hey, you know, are you of the way? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Um, so he wanted to find these people. Um, so he might, belonging to the way, the men and women might bring them back to Jerusalem. Now he went on his way and approached Damascus, and suddenly a light. So he's with his, his crew, right? He's with this whole group of people, and they are like stoked. We're going to go arrest some people. We're going to throw some people, we're going to rough some people up, right? Never, you ever want to beat somebody up, right? Come on now, right? You just want to take your anger out on somebody. So they, they actually had permission. Yeah, go arrest these fools, throw them in jail. So he had his whole posse of people, uh, and it says, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone down, and he fell to the ground. He just like, well, I don't know whether he's on a horse or a mule. It doesn't matter. What, ha- what matters is this light shone on him. He just went, bam. He fell off what I like to say is high horse, right? Have, have any of you ever been on a high horse? Maybe a little too big for your britches? Maybe been, has anybody ever been knocked down a notch, right? Anybody at all? I've been knocked down plenty of times, and it is no fun. It's kind of like when you fall down, you know, like if you trip and fall in the patio at church, you just jump up and act like, you hope nobody saw you. Oh, I'm good. You know, you could be like bleeding, bones sticking out. You're like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm fine, you know? So I'm sure he was embarrassed. He was kind of a hot, he was kind of an important guy. And he just gets knocked to the ground suddenly. And, uh, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice. Can you imagine this? Any of you ever hear voices? Yeah? <laughs> After you stop doing meth, they probably went away, right? Yeah? Amen. Right. So Paul wasn't doing meth, but he heard a voice. And it heard the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? So he knew who it was. What was his response? Who are you, Lord? He, so he, there was not like a surprise when he suddenly just gets knocked to the ground and he hears this voice. I'd be going, oh, what's going on, right? Is this one of those shows where, you know, they're going to investigate like their paranoia? What's going on here? Well, he knew. He was a smart guy. He was educated. I think he knew. Um, Saul, Saul, where are you preaching? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Can you, can you imagine that? That's got to be one of those moments you're like, 
oh, crap. <laughs> right? I really do this time. I'm in big trouble, right? It's like, it's like when the cops pull up behind you and you're carrying, right? You're like, oh, no. Why am I doing this? How did I get myself in this? I shouldn't have done this. So I am, in that moment, it was like, holy cow, I am in big trouble. And uh, um, it says, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless. They're like, what? Because he was the only one that could hear what was going on. So all these guys that are with him who are looking up to him, bro, I thought we were going to arrest a bunch of fools, right? What's going on? You're like just standing there speechless looking around. Did you, like, did you get knocked out when you hit the ground? Did you bump your head? What's going on? Why are, what's going on? And... Uh, and I'm sure he was dumbfounded. And, uh, and so, and, and hearing and seeing what no one else could, Saul rose from the ground. And although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. He was blind. He couldn't see a darn thing. It's like, can you imagine that? You're, you're a big wig. You're a big shot. You're leading a group of people to go on this mission. All of a sudden, you're just knocked to the ground. Somebody's talking to you. Nobody else can hear him. You can't see. You're like, what the heck is going on? It's kind of like, what have I done now, right? I think we've all had those moments. How did I get here? And my question was always now, I don't know, but I want to get out of here. I want to get somewhere not here. I want to be safe. I want to go back to where I was. I don't, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? I shouldn't have never done this. And I'm sure all kinds of things were going through his mind and his heart and his head. Um, and although his eyes were open, he heard nothing. And so he heard, he, they, led, they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, I like this part. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said there, here I am, Lord, like, Imagine that, you know, like you hear a voice. Well, we, we, you know, both of them are like, what was that? Did you say something? I mean, these guys had faith, and they're like, they knew who was talking to them, right? It's like they were tuned in, like who? It was like, I'll, just, I'll hear things all the time, and I'll ask Michelle, did you say, oh, I didn't say anything. You know, not once did I ever say, who are you, Lord? Is that you speaking to me? You know, I've never done that. Um, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know. Um, but this guy named Ananias said, the Lord, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, rise and go to the street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. And behold, he is praying, and he has, he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him that he might regain his sight. Now imagine Ananias. Ananias knows who, who Saul He knows who Saul is. He's one of the people that are hiding from Saul because he doesn't want to be arrested. He knows that Stephen just got stoned to death. So, now wait a minute here, Lord. You want me to go, a believer, to go to this house, let this guy who's looking for me or any other Christians, and you want me to go front myself off to him? And like, here I am, what's he going to do to me? 
Well, God didn't seem concerned about that, right? Jesus did not seem a bit concerned. He said, just go do this. So can you imagine that? Go talk to this person who is your sworn enemy and, and minister to him? What would most of us say? Nah, not going to do it. Not going to happen. I'm going to sit this one out. Get somebody else to do it, Right? But isn't that kind of what we spend a lot of our life doing, waiting for somebody else to do something, right? Like, no, you do it. Well, imagine what it would be like if you said, I'm not going to ask somebody to go do something. I'm just going to do it, right? Somebody asked me, it was Ashley's daughter, said, why did you start the bridge? Um, I said, for one thing, I got to meet your mom. And that, was really, that was a really cool thing. I said, for another thing is you have to because Michelle and I would say somebody needs to open a program to minister to people from the church setting. And so instead of trying to find that person, we just said it should be us because we feel like it should be. And so I think there are times when you just got to do it. You got to step out in that thing called faith, and you just got to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the man of my household. I'm going to be in charge of my family. I'm going to lead them in the way they need to be led. I'm going to do what's right no matter what. I'm going to be honest no matter what. We need to get to those points in our life when we do those things. Amen? Amen. And, and so, be, uh, Ananias can come in and lay his hands on him. He might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord... I have heard about this man, how much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. He is the authority from the priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and, and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. Now, Paul now, he's really in big trouble, right? He doesn't believe in Jesus. He believes in God. Now, he's on his way to arrest Christian. He gets knocked off his eye horse. He hears this voice. Nobody else can hear. He's, he's, he can't see. He's taken to this house. Now, this guy that he would normally arrest is going to come and tell him, you have been chosen by God, and I am here to tell you, because you were chosen by God, how much you're going to suffer, isn't that crazy? Now, I've probably interviewed most of you for the bridge. Now, if our interview consisted of, this place is going to suck. Every day is going to be like hell wake. It's going to be hard. You're going to hate it. You're not going to be able to sleep. Everybody in your room is going to snore and, and make all kinds of bodily noises, and it's terrible, and you're going to work 24 hours a day, and you're going to eat just terrible, you're going to have chicken every night from the food bank, right? Is that about, did I about get it all right? All right, all right. Um, but so this guy is going to go tell him that, dude, you have been chosen by God and your life is going to be awful. You're going to suffer every day to serve God. Who want, who, uh, Michelle has a, a clipboard, who wants, sign up, sign up, sign up. And, and when we get home, we'll ask her how many, how many people aren't on the clipboard. She says, all of them. Um, but the beauty is that 
in that moment, in that getting knocked on his butt off his high horse, something happened. Something changed. I think every one of you in this room tonight can say, I know the moment that things changed for me. I know the moment that I first begin to say, maybe, <laughs> maybe he's real. Maybe I can stay sober. Maybe I can be nice. Maybe I can be honest. Maybe I can have integrity. I'm sure we all know that moment where that, the thing kind of started to like click, right? Like click. You know, look at Mark and Chelsea sitting there today married. Um, um, Chelsea said we were out of our mind because this is a joke. Was mad because she couldn't talk to all the guys, right? Right? That's stupid I can't talk to the guys. That's stupid. And Mark said this was a bunch of hocus pocus. So... What is it that made them see the light? What was it made them to decide to be of the way? Why did they decide to have a covenantal marriage and live serving Christ? Because, because it's not hocus pocus. Because it's not stupid. Because I'm not out of my mind. Yes, I've bumped my head more than once. But that hasn't affected me in what I believe. I have seen so many people's life change so dramatically from simply saying yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't even get it, but yes. Why not? If nothing else has worked, why? Let's, let's go for it, right? I've tried everything else, right? All right. So it goes on to say, um, let me find it. But then I said, but the Lord said to go, I mean, he's in my chosen image to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how he much suffer for my sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hand on him said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you have has sent me so that you may regain your sight. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and began taking food and was strengthened. The part that I like the most is I remember that moment that those, the, the scales fell off my eyes, and I was like, oh, I can see now. I can see, not that I couldn't see before, but I could see differently I could see things better, right? I just got this, like, new computer monitor, right? I have this, like, little screen on my computer, and I got this big old 27-inch, like, 4K million-color monitor. And, boy, when, I, when James hooked that up for me yesterday, and I plugged my computer in this morning, and I was like, man, I mean, I could see before, but I could really see now. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like... When are you going to get to that point where it's like this, all the crap is just falling away? And now, now, now I get it. I see. I can see that I can have a life. I can see that I can have a job. Can you imagine having money in the bank? Right? Money in your pot. Money in savings. Maybe tithing. Giving a little extra away on top of that because you actually have it. Right? Before it was like, do I have enough for a wake up? Right? Can I get my morning bottle, right? 
I owe the connection. Now you're thinking about, wow, I, I can put gas in my car. If I get a flat, I can, I can go get my tire. I don't have to steal a tire. I don't have to siphon gas. I don't have to hotwire cars, right? I don't have to go to a food pantry for food. You know, I can stop and buy food. Isn't that good? But that comes from the grace of God because if we look at the things that we have done, we don't deserve an opportunity to do any of that. We, all of us should probably spend most of the rest of our lives making amends for things that we've done, right? How long would it take if you had to go back to every person that you screwed over and paid them back in full by working your debt off? How long would it take you? Probably never. I, I don't even remember most of them, right? I don't. So the point is you can't. The point is your eyes can be open to a new way of life that Christ has for you, and it's for you. He's not asking you to go back. Yeah, go, if you feel like you need to apologize to somebody or you feel like you need to make something right, by all means, do that. Absolutely. I get people, I was sharing, Michelle, like somebody sent me this big old long meal. You know, I was in the bridge back, and it was like way back, and I'm, I'm sorry for I stole this, and I stole that, and I stole this iPad, and I stole this computer. I'm like, I asked Michelle, she goes, I don't, I don't remember any of that. I'm like, I don't remember any of that either. He must he was that good, I guess. <laughs> the point was it didn't matter, but he felt like he needed to unburden himself and tell us all the stuff that he had stolen from us. I said, welcome to, it's like, welcome to Second Chance, <laughs> the story that everybody takes freely from. And I'm not speaking to anybody specifically, but if you feel like there's something, there's going to be a big old pile of stuff in front of the store tomorrow. Like, Michelle's going to be like, where did all that come from? I don't know. The residents stuck out last night and returned it. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, is things begin to affect you. It's like, I, I shouldn't do that. I'm, I can get a job. I can buy the things that I want. I can pay for the things that I want. But the beautiful thing about this whole letter in this whole gospel is that Paul, a person who didn't believe in Jesus at all, who wanted to arrest and murder people that did, ended up becoming one of the greatest servants of God of all times. And we will learn not only through this letter, but many other letters that when, 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 it, when he said, you, you're going to tell him how much he must suffer you ain't kidding. And that guy suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. But you know what? He just kept on going. And you know why he kept on going? Because he knew that he knew that he knew that when he had that encounter on the road, just like the disciples that would not deny Christ after his resurrection were, died horrible deaths because of that, that that's, that's where Paul was. He's like, I, am, I believe this so much in my heart that I, I don't care how much I have to suffer or what it's going to take or what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to do this because it's right, because God is real, and God changed my life, and I'm here as living proof of that. And you guys can all say that. I'm looking around, and I see so many of you that are so different of a place. And when I met you, you're, you're like unrecognizable. And I'll go back to what Vanessa said. Her biggest concern about going to jail on Thursday is I don't look like I belong. I said, then, then just wear some, like, tore-up clothes. I don't, I don't know. But imagine feeling like you have to dress down so people will receive you. 
No, the opposite is what we're trying to say, is this could be you, right? That's why they make shiny cars look so good. You shouldn't feel ashamed about going and buying a brand new car because you worked hard and you earn it, right? You shouldn't, oh, no, I'm going to go on Craigslist and I'm going to look under beaters, you know? I can afford a new car off the lot, but I'm going to buy a beater because that's what I deserve. No. If God has cleaned you up to the point where you're unrecognizable, hallelujah, then go in the jail and stink and encourage other people to do the same, right? That's what it's about. So why did, why did Paul change his name? Why did Saul change his name? Because he had become so different, he no longer wanted connection with that. That's why when you get to the point and when you're walking, you're like, you're not a snob. You just don't do the things that you used to do, the people you hang out with. So there's just, there's nothing there. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean you think you're better than them, right? Or bigger than them or got a better, it, it, no, it's just like, I, that's not what I do anymore, Right? Not at all. So I'm, it's not that I don't like you. I love you. Yeah, I hope things change for you. But I live a, a different life. I, I have a different lifestyle. And sometimes by doing that, it draws people in. Like, whoa, I want that. Maybe somebody is going to see Vanessa and say, hey, I want that. Or Ashley is going, actually, Ashley and Louie are going to the end of the month. We're actually going to be serving food to some inmates at the job fair um, taco bar, yeah, that's going to be good. Um, but they're going to get an opportunity to speak to the inmates and say, I was here, I was in the very seat you were hoping to live a different life, and I'm here to tell you today I am, and that you can do that, and give them the simple steps to do it, and give them the opportunity to say, I want to live a changed life. And, and if that's you tonight, then then just say or pray, God, I want to live a changed life. I don't, I don't get the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there, and it's crazy, and th- none of it makes any sense to me, but hopefully we're going to go really slow. And I'm going to, I, 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 I want to teach the book of Romans like I wanted to hear it. Because, but, oh, you know, you know pa- Pastor Nate's dad would come up, well, you know the Apostle Paul, and when I, meet, when I go to heaven, I want to talk to him. I'm like, I don't even know who the dude is. I don't, I'm going to go talk to one of my relatives. I don't care who Paul is, you know, because I, I don't, because not that I didn't care, because I didn't know who he was. What's the big deal? And when then I go back and I hear a story, it was like, he's like me. I didn't believe in God either. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't care. He was jamming up my style, right? When you have a, when you have a wife that's a believer, I would drop her off at church and then go to, go, go to Salinas and meet my connection and you know, go to the Dewiner Sitzel bathroom and shoot up and drive back and pick her and my kids up from church and take them home. And, and I was like, well, Jesus loves you. And I'm like, oh, it used to make me mad. You know, you're wrecking my high. Shut up. You know, I mean, I don't want to hear that how much Jesus loves me. Quit giving me cassette tapes and quit buying me Bibles and quit putting tracks, you know. You know, Michelle really got me one day. I, uh, I, uh, Went to, I dropped her off at church, and I went to Salinas, and I met my connection at Home Depot, and I was, like, reaching down in my pocket, and oh, my God, it was the most god-awful pain on the planet, and I ripped my hand out of my pocket, and there was blood just gushing out of my hand, and I'm just shaking blood off, and I'm like, and he's like, man, the connection, he was, like, freaking out, like, like someone shot me or something, what's up, 
And, and, I, and I, I went to my, my van, the side door of my van, and I just dropped my pants to the ground. Because I, I didn't know what was going on, man. I, and I reached back in my pocket. Michelle had took a giant safety pin and put and safety pin across to the inside of my pocket. And the, the safety this the uh, the safety pin had come undone and it went clear up under my fingernail. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I really didn't want to hear about him that day. Shut up, just get in the car. Um it did get my attention. I don't know if it drew me close to the Lord that particular day or not, but I got that you wanted me to get it. So I don't want to be sticking crucifixes in all your pockets, so please get that I want you to get it. Um, they were under my pillow, and they were, it, was like, it was like, what's going on here? It was like crosses everywhere. Um, anyway, this is some of my, my story. But as we get into the book of Romans, we'll understand why Paul offers so much grace, so much mercy, so much understanding why that is who he is, why he cares so much about you, and why he cares so much about reaching the unreached people. Because God touched him so deeply that he said, I don't care what people say, I don't care what people do, I don't care what people think, I don't care if people throw stuff at me or make fun of me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell what I know to be true. And that's, that's the honest to God's truth about who, who Paul the Apostle is, and that's why he's so fervent about all of his letters. I know we call them books, but they were really letters that were assembled into books to be put into the Bible. So... You know, if you have questions, feel free to ask me, feel free to ask Tommy or, or Coach or um, anybody, you know, but please, you know, if you have questions, ask, because I think it's important to know everything, you know, it's driving me crazy, I would leave with more questions that there were answers to, I would think. I'm like, man, he, I like going to church and I learn all this stuff, but I, I, I want to know more, way more stuff, because he talks about all these people and acts like I know them, I don't know them. So we'll try to introduce things as we go in to make sure that we understand what we're talking about and, more importantly, why we're talking about it and why it matters to us in our recovery and our future walk with Christ. So I'm going to invite Bob and the team to come back up. So, Lord, we thank you for Paul's story, his walk, his radical salvation story. And, Lord, thank you for so many of us here tonight that have been radically saved by you. So we just thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.